0: Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen, and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it, and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com xm.
1: You are listening to The Bird Calls on the off-the-glass, nothing-but-net, and up-and-under networks. For more on your pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today.
2: All right, Pelicans fans, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls, the official podcast of thebirdrights.com. I am David Grubb, filling in for Preston Ellis, who is off doing many magical things in the Magic Kingdom, I'm certain, at this time. With me, as usual, Kevin Barrios and Editor-in-Chief Ali Cosell, and also with us, contributor David Fisher. How are we doing tonight, guys?
3: I'm still riding a little bit of a Zion wave, but I got to admit, the national takes today, just, I didn't expect it to get that
1: ridiculous. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
3: Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
0: What about you guys? I was at work, so I kind of missed it all. I kind of got glimpses here and there. So I think it's probably worse than the little bit that I saw. But the bit that I saw was pretty dumb. Um, so, But, I mean, I don't really care. I mean, we we know what the jump has been all season in regards to us. So I don't really care what they say.
2: I just find it, I think it's just funny that we've already jumped, you know, we're not even 20, well, we're just barely 24 hours past the lottery, and we've already jumped to Zion's options, you know, as to what he's going to do. Um, Is he going to go back to Duke? Is he going to threaten the Pelicans um, and, and ask for a trade? And I just don't, I think the perception by other people is not the perception that basketball people have of the Pelicans anymore. Um, yeah. Just to be brief, it's just, you know, you see Max Kellerman this morning again reciting this thing. Of the franchise is cheap. The mm-hmm. franchise doesn't want to do this. They have still the second fiddle to the Saints. Well, where have you been the last couple of months where this restructuring has been going on? And why are you pushing, <laughs> continuing to push this narrative? And then... The other part was the national, the, the other national things like deadspin saying like, you know, the Pelicans get rewarded for ruining Anthony Davis's career. Look, man, the Clippers used to get number one picks falling out the wazoo, you know, um, teams, bad teams, the Cavs got number one picks that they squandered year after year and no one said anything. But for some reason, for, to let it be the Pelicans gain any type of uh, favor, then all of a sudden the NBA, the, the, the lottery system is already broken.
3: Yeah, but Kellerman's Uh, not the one I had issue with. It was definitely Colin Coward. I mean, you you just can't say what he says, I feel like. You can't just be, like, recommending that the kid, first-round pick, all he's ever wanted to do is get to the NBA to basically, you know, do whatever it takes, even sitting out the season, you know, not signing with the Pelicans, whatever. That's just absurd.
1: I mean, Fish, did you catch any of this today? I caught some of it, but the thing is is that the Pelicans have been a vastly – more competitive franchise over the last six to seven years than the Knicks and the Lakers, just because it's a, a a flashy market. Shouldn't be driving it like their actual argument against new Orleans has nothing to do with basketball. It has nothing. Even if, you know, we admit that yes, the franchise has underperformed the Lakers had three number two picks in the last five years, they signed LeBron James They still missed the playoffs this year. The last time the Lakers made the playoffs was Anthony Davis's rookie year. Mm -hmm. The Pelicans have made the playoffs twice since then, despite all of their injuries and without any of the kind of lottery luck that the Lakers have had over that period of time. So it's nothing more than them just wanting to funnel players to markets. And I think it's it's not only just lazy and boring – but it's the fact that it's actually counterproductive to the like what the NBA's business model should be the NBA's business model should be let us succeed everywhere because you yeah, haven't I mean, heard oh man is Drew Brees going to force his way to the Giants you haven't heard anything about Aaron Rodgers trying to Green Bay doesn't even like count as a city compared to New Orleans like it's that small and there's no problem with him being there and being awesome so that's a whole nother background. Yeah, but as you alluded
3: to, the crux of the problem is the fact that it's nothing basketball related, right? It has all to do with, for writers, it's page clicks on the internet. For a lot of these sports you know, radio hosts, David knows as well, it's how many listeners you can attract or the audience you have to appeal to. And that's solely what it is. You know, it's basically propaganda in a sense. I mean, misinformation, whatever you want to call it. it, So I I just am sad that our society
2: has even, you know, (laughs) and it's not a little bit what's that David it's just to me it's not funneling teams to certain markets there's something and and I'm not a a conspiracy person and I'm not a, a um a person who's paranoid but there's something in particular about New Orleans in the basketball realm that strikes people this way because everybody was fine with Zion going to Atlanta everybody was fine with Zion you know New York or LA or whomever it, it only became an issue when it became New Orleans, you know. So I think that that's the thing, is there's something inherent about them not caring. Part of that is, has to do with the fact that we don't have a strong local media representing us. Um, the fact that, you know, on the national level, what writer do we have who's based out of New Orleans, who's who's respected on a national level to tell the story of what's going on here? Um, and Marcus I think that
1: that's just throwing them under the bus all the time from that. Right. Man.
2: <laughs> so I mean it's it's stuff from distance and it's people lobbing grenades who have not been here, who have not and like I said, all four of us will admit to what we've seen as the screw-ups of this franchise. But at the same time, how is that any different than what's going on in cities like Orlando or Washington or like you said, New York or LA or the you know, both LAs or you know, there it's it's what happens in basketball or any other team sport. Teams that are run poorly tend to have bad results, and for a long time the Pelicans were run poorly. But that doesn't mean you never get the opportunity to not be run poorly. I mean, <laughs> you, apparently when, it does.
1: <laughs> but the thing is, is that that's not that's not the case because the Pelicans just number one, they just signed all of the media's golden boy in David Griffin that they said can turn around everything, mm-hmm. and now they're just ignoring that, and they. Mm-hmm. They have taken the steps to work on the medical side with bringing in Aaron Aaron Nelson, um, and the thing is, is that the Pelicans, if you're talking about just from a basketball side, the Pelicans are the one of, if not the most attractive place for Zion to arrive because of the expected return in an Anthony Davis trade in terms of assets, and if we're looking down the line, if timelines don't match up and Drew wants to move on, the return from him. They have a better set of they have a better expected set of assets to build a team around Zion than the Lakers or the Knicks do. Because honestly, the Pelicans are going to ransack them for assets when they trade Anthony Davis. That's I mean, if they if they trade them to either of those locations, and so pretty much it's just a sexy market. But going back to you mentioned Atlanta, Atlanta's a terrible state of Town man, you see what they're oh they never supported the
3: hawks dominique Mm -hmm. years you name
1: it yeah you see what their stadium looks like when they're supporting the falcons their brand new stadiums half empty all the time you uh the hawks games despite the fact that they have an awesome environment and they have um i can't remember his name but the organist Mm -hmm. tearing it up every night and he's actually a new orleans native not an atlanta native I'm tearing it up on the Oregon every night, but still their crowds were terrible. Their crowds were terrible when their team won sixty games when Danny Ferry was running the team. So don't give me it's, it. It doesn't even have anything to do with the quality of a sports town either. No, it's. Well,
0: <laughs> I think I think it all boils down to the fact that we had to trade Chris Paul and then immediately got Anthony Davis. And now we have to trade Anthony Davis and immediately get Zion. So there's just that like jealousy thing. And sure, there was like a lot of problems that led to one of the, to both of those guys wanting to be traded. But we also fixed most of those problems or at least are in the process of doing it. But it's just the idea. I think that people can't stomach outside of here that, you know, these two transcendental stars who were the top of the, their position rankings at the time and were still young, uh, you know, wanted out and then immediately were replaced with another superstar um, to build around, you know, it's just that, it's just jealousy somewhat, but also, you know, frustration because of the way that it played out, I think, um, also plays into it.
3: One other thing we got to really add to this, and I feel like it really, is a prevailing issue for a lot of these outsiders is the fact that the Pelicans, or I should say the Hornets were owned by the NBA. It was so bad. The situation here that the NBA had a step in Davis Stern, when he kind of went outside of his, you know, responsibilities, a lot of people felt, especially when he uh, canceled that first Chris Paul trade. And I feel like that has followed. I feel like it's things like that. David Stern, then speaking out, saying Dell, that's a terrible GM, you know, at every turn, there's somebody like that or something like that happens. So it's more than just basketball, for sure. It's more than just not um, fulfilling, you know, the prophecies of these two great generational stars, you know. So and t- I really think until you win, until you win a little bit consistently, New Orleans is never going to shake this.
2: Well, the good thing is, is that the Pelicans have the number one pick and everybody else can go suck it. <laughs> <That's> it, <man. laughs> yeah. just take a good long slurpy side okay now let's move on to what we actually came to discuss and um, now that the the, the um, lottery is over we're gonna have to start looking at what are the next steps and obviously one of the big dominoes if not the biggest domino is the destination for Anthony Davis so what we're going to be doing over these next few podcasts is looking at particular teams and what we each uh, view as their best uh, possible trade packages. We're going to discuss those packages and then um, maybe try to come on to some consensus by moving some pieces around and seeing what we like as to what the best deal may be by putting our four heads together on this. Today we're going to cover two teams, uh, the Brooklyn Nets and the Toronto Raptors. We're going to start with Brooklyn since their season has ended and uh, Toronto has a lot more variables going on depending how their season ends. So uh, let's go to the person who I think has the most Brooklyn love in him. Yes. Uh, That's Mr. Kevin Barrios. (laughs) Kevin, why don't you give us what you think the Pelicans and the Nets could do for in an AD deal?
0: Sure. Um, I mean, I pitched a few during the season and I thought before the trade deadline, acquiring uh, D'Angelo Russell would have been great. But now that that's all passed, I I created a new one. And now we're also doing this sort of in order of uh, desirability, I think, to some degree, although obviously it's differing between all of us and and, uh, where these teams slot. But I think we all agree that Brooklyn is on the lower end of desirability because of uh, the issues that, that we're dealing with sort of, you know, the, the D'Angelo Russell's contract situation, their draft picks that they have, those sort of things. Um, so what I tried to do is uh, put together a team where they, you're bringing over a ton of that culture from Brooklyn. Um, you're also you're bringing over that hard work, uh, hard, hard play, um, a lot of ball handling. You're filling a ton of holes on the roster. Um, you may not be getting that big name star, but I think there's a sneaky possible star in there and Karis Levert. Um, who is basically um, the prize of this, of my package. Um, I think I've read a lot of uh, Brooklyn writing this season and some other guys also that just gravitated toward that team from other uh, teams. Uh, And a lot of people think that Karis LeVert is actually the best player on the nets. Um, And, you know, he's a little bit older. He has an injury history. So, those are concerns, but he's a great ball handler. He can get to the rim. He's a good scorer. He's an adequate defender. He's not an incredible jump shooter, but he has gone on streaks where his numbers were really high. So, he's the focal point of players. But then you also, um, so basically, what the Pelicans would be sending out in this trade first is Anthony Davis and Etwan Moore. And then the Pelicans in return would get Joe Harris, which I think is. A slight upgrade over Etwan Moore. He's a little bit taller. He's a lot better off the ball. He cuts a lot better. He moves a lot better. He gets himself open a lot easier. He's a better and more consistent outside shooter. And I feel like he doesn't fluctuate as much when he's starting and off and coming off the bench, whereas we've seen Etwan have those crazy dips when he was shuffled around. So I think he's better at filling multiple roles. Uh, he doesn't have that mid-range game or that floater game that Etuan has, um, and he's you know, but other than that, I think he's he's uh he's more of, you know, your modern NBA guy, cuts to layups and three point shooting, no mid range game. Um so I think he slightly upgrades Etuan. Uh, then of course you get Jared Allen, potential uh, solid rim running, rim protecting center, uh Karis Levert, which I already discussed, who I think is the prize of the package. Um Spencer Dinwiddie who would give you your answer at point guard, which is a position that needs to be addressed for sure. We want to have a good point guard in there to help uh, Zion develop and also unlock Drew, not make him have to play that. And he gives you size at the point. He's a great attacking guard. He's an okay defender. He's getting better as a shooter. Um, And then there's uh, Karukz who's a, you know, he's a forward. He could play both forward positions. He's got an outside shot. He's a pretty good Ball handler, a pretty good passer for his position. He's young, could possibly develop into a solid uh starter at some point, or at least, you know, a guy that's gonna get good minutes. He got a lot of good minutes for Brooklyn this season. And then we get the 17 pick this season. Um this the second Phoenix's second round pick in 2021 and the Nets 2022 first round pick. Now, also in this deal, I have a variation where Alan Crabb would then go to the Suns and the Suns would get Denver's first round pick this season this season which is uh number 27 which the Nets own and also a second round pick from the New York Knicks and then the Pelicans would get from the Suns TJ Warren who I've obviously liked for a very long time but I think he also helps open up things for Zion because He can play both uh, forward positions. He can come off the bench or he could start at small forward, but he's a good outside shooter and he can score from all over. So he eases that burden a little bit. Um, And he's a sort of decent ball handler, playmaker. Um, So that's basically the package. Like I said, it's not big name star heavy, but it fills multiple holes across the roster. Then you still have future picks and you have a guy that might turn into a, a star in Karis LeVert and who would definitely be, Uh, you know the best wing player we've had, probably ever. Um, at this point. Uh, Ollie, anybody want to comment on this?
2: Yeah, Ollie, if you want to give feedback on that one, and then give give us yours. Yeah, I'm I'm
3: totally with Kevin that Karis Levert is my catch as well. I talked to Stu Jackson when he's coming out of the draft, and uh, we both I love Levert. And then when I talked to Stu Jackson, he made me really love him talking about his potential if he could just stay away from the injuries, you know, if he could just stay healthy and because he had all the tools, he had all that athleticism and we really saw it at the start of this year. I mean, I remember him carrying games in October and November, and that's when DeAndre Russell actually started really poorly. And um, I thought it was unanimous that people thought Lavert was going to be the star of that team. And that he was going to be the one guy that they wouldn't trade. Well, Look what, you know, basically four months later, here we are. Now it looks like DeAndre Russell's the one that they should retain. Uh, LaVert's kind of a toss-up, even though I don't think – they're not out on his future. But, again, he's the catch, and so he's in my package. And I've got a simpler one. I'm just throwing away – or pitch <laughs> throw away. Trading Anthony Davis and uh, getting back crab. you got to make the salaries work. But LaVert, and then I love this guy too, Kourouks. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. I don't think anybody ever probably has. But uh, I think that he's another fine catch. I mean, you want a long forward, right? And this guy fits the bill. I've heard nothing but positives. But even more, I have found out that David Griffin loves this guy. When uh, he was on um, doing radio shows with Joel Myers, I caught an episode, one of those deals and dunks on Saturday. They talked about this guy and Griffin absolutely raved about him. So I know that he loves him. I love him. When you watch this guy play, he's got the potential. 21 years old. He shot over 50% from two. And, you know, he's got to get a lot stronger. He needs to add like 20 pounds or so, you want to say. But his shot looks good. So that 31% three-point field goal percentage, that's going to come up as well. And to round out that deal, so Crab, Lavert, Kurok's the uh, three players. And then I want a couple picks from the Nets. I want their first rounder, the the 17th overall. And then via the Knicks, I want the uh, second rounder, 31st. And I want them to chase maybe like Bull, Bull. you know, maybe chase somebody th- just to fill in the holes on the rest of the roster.
2: All right. So now we move on to Fish. Fish, I want you to review Ollie's
1: deal and then uh, give us yours. Um, I hate to be the downer on both his and Kevin's deal, but I think we ask for too much from the net because I think the Nets are really going to value that culture and they're not going to want to chop it all away. So, um, and it it gets really hard, especially when you start throwing in Levert and a lot of cheap guys. Um, I know uh, one of the things that um, the Alley managed to do is taking back that Crab deal, um, which I think the the Nets would be more interested in. For me, um, what I would be doing with the the nets pick with the nets trade is um, my headline is going to be d'angelo russell um i was what was it probably the 2016 draft i was saying hey if the pelicans can get russell for their pick they should do it and they should do it right away i remember that uh, and that was kind of in the beginning of the drew's not a point guard the need a real point guard beside him situation in new orleans because initially it was drew's point guard and then 2016 that was probably right after um gentry's first season that had gone sideways since they were they were picking in the lottery and there were rumors that hey the lakers might want to move russell for a high enough pick and they might be eyeing either Heald or murray so i was like hey let's go after russell He's a big guard. He he doesn't come without his problems or his airport issues or his uh, recreational issues. Um, (laughs) And the other part of that is the fact that it has to be a sign and trade, which is is the more difficult part because you have to convince Russell that, hey, you're going to come here and come sign with us, but you're not going to be the number one guy. Because, I mean, Zion's coming. He's going to be the number one guy. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the guy that's leading usage or anything like that, but he's going to be the guy that comes in with the shoe deal and all the media attention, et cetera. And so it's going to take, you know, some—I don't know—some overpay, uh, possibly an overpay. And the other thing is, is it, it 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 requires other pieces. Pretty much, it requires the the Nets wanting to do it. Uh, Kyrie's on the way pretty much. So, hey, we have Kyrie on the way. We need to open up the space anyways. Can you guys take some salary back, Crab? Um, and, you know, we'll do the sign-and-trade with Russell so we don't have to really worry about his cap hold. And then we'll slide in Kyrie and we'll have Kyrie and Davis in Brooklyn. Now, that's still anti-ethical. I mean, it's it's, it's not in line with how they have built the team. It's not in line with if you read, like, Brooklyn coverage stuff what they want to do I would think that what the which is why there's not a lot coming back in my trade um, I have the Pelicans receiving D'Angelo Russell via the sign and trade um, Harris obviously he's kind of he slots right in as you're starting shooting uh, small forward crab to eat that money for them to make it more enticing for them but you're going to send Hill to them Solomon Hill but that is, you know, a, a positive on the net of they're taking, you know, they're slicing off about six million on that. And then like they um both uh, Kevin and Ollie have said, the net's um seventeenth pick and then the net two thousand twenty-one pick with as light of protections as you can talk down on them, probably like protections of uh, one through four, assuming that the lottery still remains the same the way that it is. Um so yeah, Russell, Harris, Prab, and then the Nets. 2019 and 2021 for Anthony Davis and Hill. And I've, I've been preaching this to you guys in our chat all the time. I think that getting a point guard that is relatively within the age range and the time frame of Zion is critical to unlocking Zion. It's the thing that they failed to do with Anthony Davis because Tyreek's head was down too much through – suddenly developed into not wanting to be a point guard and they didn't have what Davis needed. I mean, Davis had a great individual career in New Orleans, but it didn't lead to team success like you would like. And I, I would think that a backcourt of D'Angelo Russell, Drew Holiday with um, Zion up front would be great. And then obviously Harris um, helping spread the floor and he's relatively cheap. So that's where, that's where my deal would be.
2: I think we're we're all similarly in tune um with this one um because for me you know again one of the things I always cons- I consider too is is the financial flexibility because to me over these next 3 to 4 years it's not just enough to have talent it's also how can the pelicans you know ultimately leverage some of this talent I don't think everybody that they bring in um in these trades is 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 long for the team in some regard these are flippable assets or some are just Hey, um to create a uh, cap room for uh you know potential free agents down the road um so just like uh Kevin and Ollie my, my pelicans going out are Anthony Davis and Etwan Moore and then for the Nets um Alan Crabb again one year 18 and a half million that's an easy pill to swallow basically if you're the pelicans Karis Levert um, one year with what 2.6 million this year and then uh, the qualifying offer. The year after that, so again, very affordable. Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris. Joe Harris, one year, seven point six. Spencer Dinwiddie, two years at roughly twenty-two million dollars total. So, um, and then the two first-round picks, the same, the seventeen uh, this year, and then the number one in twenty twenty-one. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm looking at it from if you keep uh, if you if you walk away with Dinwiddie, Lavert, and um, two picks, and maybe you resign Harris if, if if it works out. Uh, i think that, that that that's a very good um outcome um in that regard for the pelicans um since we're all generally in consen- consensus do is, are we thinking then cuz cuz the russell deal while you'd like to have that talent it, it's the most as you said uh david is it's the most dependent on other factors
0: yeah you know, convince, yeah so convincing
2: think- russell all those things makes it the most difficult
0: I, I love Russell, but I think like the thing is is like if you have if you're making this trade with the Nets, it's because they know that they're getting Durant and possibly um mm-hmm. Harry Irving. Um so they're so they're building a super team, they're going away from what they were doing was building this homegrown culture. It's gonna be a radical shift. So I I think the thing is is when you start to talk about Russell, you have to talk to him and get him a, to agree to a sign and trade. Now, if the thing falls apart, then you have a disgruntled player on your hands. Um, so, I, I think that's what makes that more difficult, um, and that's why I shied away from it as much as I like Russell. Um, so,
1: oh, I know. would love. I don't want to. I don't want to short sell that. I would love Karis Levert. The Buckeye and me choosing a Wolverine over a Buckeye hurts. <laughs> I would love Karis Levert over, over and above D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, the injury things and stuff like that that he's dealt with. Hey, you got Aaron Nelson. That's that's the perfect guy that you would want to have mm-hmm. in a situation where you have a guy that's had the, the kind of history that Levert does. I didn't I didn't include LeVert in my trade because I was trying to make one that I felt like the Nets are more likely to say yes to pretty much. I also
0: think that there's a, a trade here where that doesn't involve Anthony Davis. So you make the Anthony Davis trade with another partner, but by taking crab, you can maybe possibly get Lavert. You know, they could keep Russell, they could keep them witty or move them to other places. If they're getting, you know, if they can add one more star, say they just are adding one. If they're adding just the rant to what they already have, then, you know, moving Crab over there, they surely would be fine with trading off L'Overt for Durant, you know, and you facilitating that. So that's something I would oh, also would mean, consider is it's another move based after you make another move for Anthony Davis, you know,
1: that would be, that would be a situation. Like if you made, to me, if you make the, the Davis trade to someplace that you're bringing in a lot of draft capital, Mm -hmm. You take some of that draft capital and you attach it to a cheaper contract. Let's say the Pelicans are going to have enough cap room after the Anthony Davis trade where you can send one of those picks that you got from, say, the Knicks or something, and each one more who is serviceable on an expiring contract and a lot cheaper than um, Crab, and you tell the the Nets – Hey, we're going to give you this first and more, and we're going to eat the $10 million, which is the cap space that you need. But we need something in return, and the thing we need in return is Karis Levert. Yeah, I mean,
3: the way I looked at this whole exercise is you, you grab the one young star, right? You grab the Tatum. For some people's eyes, even though I don't get it, is Ingram. You know, stuff like that. So Levert fits that mold. So I don't think he's got superstar potential, guys. I really don't. So I just think he's that star kind of potential, youngster that can maybe make a couple all-star games, maybe three at the most. And, of course, Couric's, I don't think that's wrong to say that, hey, you're grabbing a young talent that's tantalizing. And then just a couple of picks. I feel like that's the kind of the model that, you know, is the template you're going to use for Anthony Davis. And that's what I just stuck to right here but yeah. I, think Brooke, I, mean, we, we, I think we spend spent enough time on Brooklyn, honestly. I don't think a deal's going to happen with them. It's going to all depend on, like Kevin's always said, and David, you too, on who else they can attract another star. Because they're not going to break up that culture just for any kind of maybes. It's got to be something, okay, this is worth that jump.
2: Yeah, but we've got a lot of time, and we can do these exercises. So, uh, <laughs> And then if one of these things comes to pass, we want to be able to have said that we analyzed it properly and we, we 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 made our points about it so yes but we can move on now from brooklyn um and, and on to the great white north um into the 6 and deal with the toronto raptors um this time let's start with uh dave dave fisher and uh, let's see what what would you have uh, the pelicans do uh to make a deal with the raptors
1: my um, Raptors trade is much simpler, um, sending out Anthony Davis alone and then bringing back in, and this is a little, some of the contracts aren't as attractive as others, but you have to, the thing with a Raptors trade that you have to think of unless you start adding a third team and et cetera, is if, if the Raptors are making this trade, then they feel like they're going to be able to resign Kawhi pretty much, yes. but they want another star. So they're mm-hmm. going to sacrifice some depth. And, you know, I mean, we all know that the gem of the trade on on, on this one is going to be Siakam beside, beside Zion. <clears throat> um, but they're going to sacrifice some depth around that to bring in AD, the big star. <laughs> the only way they're going to do that is if they feel like we're going to be able to retain Kawhi along with, you know, Lowry and I mean Anthony Davis and Lowry and Kawhi and Gasol. That's a fun lineup. Like that's a basketball team that I would want to watch. And if they can because, keep Danny Green too, in Situation like that. So my my trade with the Raptors would be sending Anthony Davis out. And this trade is going to be a trade that takes effect after the draft. So the the Raptors they owe their draft pick this year. But after the draft, like, you know, June 30th at 6 p.m. or whatever, they can trade their 2020 pick. And one of the things that I've always been working on is I want the Pelicans to have not too many picks in one single draft, but hopefully multiple firsts throughout the future as much as possible, because you want to have uh, a continuing flow of young talent to fill out the roster because that was the error of the Anthony Davis era. So what I would want first from the Raptors is we want your two – well, first we want um, Siakam. That's, that's the guy we have to have. And then your 2020 and 2022 first, I think we can get away with relatively light protections because if they're trading for Anthony Davis, they're re-signing to why they know they're going to be good. So their two picks, Siakam, and then you just have to really match salary. Uh, The easiest way to match salary would be Van Fleet and Powell. Powell, uh, I mean, that contract looks like it might be a little dirty, but when you're you're acquiring somebody like that, which has a relatively big cap number, but it expires between now and when Zion's um, (laughs) rookie deal expires, you're opening up cap space in the future. How are you going to build around? How are you going to continue to build around um, Zion Williamson? Maybe in two or three years when Powell's contract is an expiring contract, hey, that's a nice chip to throw in in some other trade, so that you can get a veteran back that's available from some team that just wants to open up cap space. And then I also have um, get bringing in OG and Inobi along with that trade. So bring in Van Fleet and Inobi, Siakam, Powell, two firsts from Toronto in 2020 and 2022 for Anthony Davis.
2: All right. Um, I guess Kevin, I will let you go next. And um, well, tell, yeah, I have
0: the exact same trade. Honestly, <laughs> it, it, word for word the same trade. Now, I love Siakam, and my only issue with this trade—I mean, it's the trade that I put together—and I like these guys, but now that I know that we have Zion, and that's the piece we're building around, it makes it a little bit less attractive for me, just because. While I think defensively you're creating a great team, I just worry about scoring and spacing because you're not getting anything from shooting wise from Anobi and Siakam. But if Siak you have to wait on Siakam and um, Zion to develop consistent outside jumpers for one of them to have space. Now defensively and other things that they do is great, and it's going to be fun but I think it's just going to be a lot of clutter. And we've seen like Van Fleet, Vliet's Van been falling apart in the playoffs this year. Now he could bounce back next year. I mean, he's basically going to be on an expiring anyway, so it's not like he's really a long-term piece, but it would be nice if you could find a guy that could be a long-term contributor at point guard instead of like every year having a new point guard. Um, and then Powell, like like David said, he's an okay player. Nothing special about him. His contract's a little bit too high but it's not terrible and it's something that you can combine later on with something else to attract a better player when you're more in a position to make that jump. Um, But I think you're, when you're making this trade, you're definitely banking on Siakam or Zion or both finally developing like a really good outside jumper because I don't see it really working offensively long-term if neither of them do.
2: Well, I think that, I think you're right. You got to have some shooting in there. Um, I'm going to let Ollie close No, this go one. ahead, so David. I'll, go finish yeah, I'll, so I'll, I'll finish up. I'll finish up this time. You're going to close this one. So my deal was a little bit different. Um, I'm sending out AD and Etuan to Toronto. And in return, I'm taking fewer players back than you guys. But I'll explain to you why. I'm taking back Van Vliet and Siakam. But I'm also taking back Serge Ibaka. Ibaka's got one year and $23 million on his contract there are two things that I know he can do fairly well. He can protect the rim some. He's still a decent rim protector, and he can shoot the three fairly well. But he's an expiring, and he's a vet. So bringing him in to me, he takes up that big chunk of salary. But at the, at the midway point, when you get to the trade deadline, he has no value to the Pelicans, in my, in, in my opinion, long term. But in that short term, I can flip him um, at the deadline to a team looking for veteran inside help, and get more assets back. So that's what I'm yeah. thinking there, is to get more assets out of Ibaka and have that salary off my books and then get those the 2021 and 2023 picks. Going along with what Fisher said, I want to continue to have picks in years um, where you know I'm assuring that I'm going to keep my influx of young talent and also have the position to be able to flip those picks if I have enough talent at that time. So that's my thought. Yeah, David, Collin.
3: I'm actually, I concur with you on getting Ibaka back, but I'm setting out instead of each one more with AD, I'm setting out Solomon Hill. I want his contract <laughs> gone because we're not getting too many, we're not getting that bright, um, youthful type of, you know, uh, grouping like we did with the Brooklyn Nets. Because I've also got Siakam, of course, with Ibaka and then Powell. I'm actually a little bit higher on than you guys. Uh, I thought he had a, kind of an under the radar type of year. And again, I've heard rumors that. You know, people genuinely like this kid. Um, after the season he had, he just wasn't able to be showcased enough simply because if you look at, you know, obviously the talent, especially with Kawhi Leonard being added. But he made a lot of vast improvements, three-point shooting a hurt. His defense went up a notch. Uh, he's kind of the kind of guy you want uh, coming off the bench for maybe 20, 25 minutes if need be. And, of course, in two draft picks. But I'm focusing more on a 2021 first-rounder. So I'm just going to grab the 2022nd round pick. But the 2021, obviously, I'm I'm going to be banking on the ADs, not going to say they're long-term. You know I'm going to say that out of all – I think out of all the scenarios we're going to do, Toronto's going to be the least likely that Anthony Davis decides to stay in. So I don't think we're going to be able to ask for too much. And, again, I don't foresee in any way, shape, or scenario that Masai is going to do this deal, give up Siakam. If he can't get pretty much a guarantee from AD – Uh, that he's going to stay or be able to persuade him to stay with the roster that he can build around him.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's highly dependent on Kawhi. If If the Raptors make the finals this year and Kawhi says he's staying, then you don't get many more cosmopolitan cities in Toronto and you still have access to the New York market when you're in Toronto, you have access to i mean yes you know, there's some big hitters and again anthony davis is anthony davis i don't it doesn't really to me it doesn't matter what market he's in if he's looking at marketability he he's just not a really marketable star in my opinion well, no matter well, what uniform you put on him
0: the thing is though he would have a whole country that he would be marketed for yes. instead of like a single market you know that's the entire country of canada look what they did yeah. hockey
2: and curling <laughs> they, I mean, look what they did for DeMar DeRozan, who has no personality, Um, you know, exactly. like, but he turned in, he's a national hero in Canada. He was a so home-grown yeah. t- David, he
3: was a homegrown talent. This is AD coming in with baggage. They yeah, don't but, care. I mean,
0: Kawhi I went in with baggage, though. I mean, like, look at Kawhi, the year before, the year that Kawhi had before he went there. I mean, he he went in with baggage as well, you could say. These are
2: Canadians, man. They love everybody.
0: I would also say Toronto is an awesome city, especially, oh, it's if, awesome you, for especially sure. if you like dumplings. Like, there's no
3: know, way AD's gonna love out. it there, man. LA home. He, he he's the guy that is gonna hate walking outside in December and January when it's cold as hell. He's he's from from Chicago,
2: Chicago. <laughs>
3: he's AD like is not used to that wet. weather anymore. He doesn't live there anymore.
2: <laughs> you don't ever forget, man. You don't ever forget. You remember and you hate and you never go back. (laughs) In the winter, you don't. Now, I I think, you know. It's also,
0: you know, not that far from Buffalo, the home of the Buffalo Wings.
2: Exactly. He's right there at Niagara Falls. (laughs) He's right there at Niagara Falls. And he can go over to the Sky Dome. Oh, that took me a minute. And then there's Toronto Argonauts football for him. And the Maple Leafs, it, what What does not? Anthony Davis is getting everything he wants in Toronto. It's a I fine, think you guys fine are, city.
3: You guys are completely wrong. His parents will hate it there. Rich Paul's not going to want to fly up there. No. No.
2: Rich <laughs> Paul gets to fly for free. He sits in the children's seat.
1: He
3: has to go I mean, through immigration about, every time he's got to go see his client.
1: <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about shoe deals, the thing is, is that Kawhi isn't a nice client. He's a New Balance client. So that might actually be something that's a positive to them. And Toronto's—I want to say—they're the third largest metropolitan area in North America, just behind New York and L.A. Like it doesn't get much bigger than Toronto in terms of consumers. You know, people that you will be marketed to.
2: I just—I don't see how it's a bad place to it to get traded to now. I mean, you you look at the the when you look at at the amount of people that gather to watch. A basketball game in the streets in Toronto. I mean, you you have it like you said. You have an excited fan base. You have a great arena. You have a great city. Um, and again, I personally, at the end of the day, I don't care about Anthony Davis' feelings. It's where you're going, um, and and that's wherever the Pelicans ship him. But if he's if he, if he can't be content, if he couldn't find something to like in Toronto, then that's on him, and that's not on the city.
3: I, I mean, you guys, I, I don't know. I just think that we're talking about 20 millionaires that are in their 20s. true. And they think they, they, they can live anywhere. They're not going to pick Toronto. I, I just don't see it. Sorry. I know that we all I love the city.
1: He, he said he wanted to go to a winning team. And the Toronto Raptors have won at least 50 games for the last four years straight. They're in the playoffs six consecutive years. They are by far a much better franchise and organization than the Knicks or the Lakers. The Knicks and the Lakers just have history. Yeah, the you, you, you know, Raptors have
0: Also, team. as a basketball fit, Kawhi is a better fit for him than anybody else. You know, it, outside of Giannis, I think, you know, I I think that's the person I would like to see him paired with the most as purely a basketball fan. And see, I mean, I, disagree.
3: Yeah, I disagree. He needs a, a, a total alpha point guard that can get him the ball on command. I really do. I think a, a, a small forward that um, has decent playmaking. I mean, you can't compare Kawhi Leonard or anybody else, even Giannis to, say, a Rondo or somebody. You know what I mean? They're still going to look for their own shot. They're still going to take up more usage than you. But in that way, I don't think that's going to be a with is
2: Lowry, If your lineup is Lowry, Gasol, and yeah, Leonard, that's what I'm saying. all of like those they're... are passers. All of those guys, because you can put Gasol at the high post, and have him throw passes to A.D. all night long. And like, Green me well. Yeah, because we saw it again, when Memphis played the Pelicans. How often did Gasol hit Jaron Jackson Jr. for lobs against those same Pelicans with A.D. on the baseline because no one could guard Gasol up top, and they were just running those lobs to the back door? I think A.D. would get plenty of chances with those guys because, again, Lowry in the pick and roll can find him, um, Gasol up top, and then you can post up, um Kawhi and he can kick out to AD in those jump spot areas
1: that uh, jump shot areas that he really likes.
0: And Kawhi could run pick and roll with him too. I mean, you yep. see that.
1: <laughs> no, I I think as and then another thing long term for the Raptors if they're trading for Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis the defender if he's actually engaged really extends the life of Mark Gasol as a functional NBA player on both ends of the court. Whereas, I mean, he, he has an expiration date if he doesn't have somebody that can kind of prop him up defensively. And Anthony Davis, if he's fully engaged, can do that. I agree.
2: Well, that's our first edition of this. Um we got several other teams to go through. We'll be hitting, you know, the, the usual suspects: the Celtics, the Knicks, the Lakers. We'll be going through those, and some wild card teams as well. Um,
1: the Clippers. Don't yes, forget, of the course,
2: Clippers. the Clippers. Yes, the Clippers. So the Nuggets. Um, we'll be going through all of them. We'll be doing all the teams. We'll get not, I guess, not all twenty nine. We're not going to do. Um, no,
3: sorry, Anthony. They're all on
2: the table. Even though, yes, he says they're all on the table. <laughs> We're not going to do right. all twenty nine, but we will be. Over the next several days we'll be churning these out um, oh, with man. different teams and different trade ideas. Um please give us your feedback on Twitter at the bird um at the bird rights. Um guys, is there anything else we want to say before we close this one out? Ollie. Um
3: we've got Zion Williamson coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I that's all I keep thinking about on and off, you know, so I don't think I don't think it's going to go away until at least until
2: well after the draft. Kevin, anything you want to go off on?
0: No, nah, man, I'm good.
1: Dave, what you got? Oh man, it, look, I just got an email alert earlier this afternoon. Dirty Coast is already printing Zion T-shirts. Mine <laughs> is already on the way. Um, go get yours too, and um, and go, pals.
2: I guess um I would leave it up to Bob Marley on this one. He said marching like an iron lion in Zion, right? That's a Bob Marley lyric. So I guess we've got the iron lion in Zion coming to New Orleans. Um, sitting in once again for our dear friend, Preston Ellis. I am David Grubb. And this has been The Bird Calls. Guys, thank you very much. And
1: until the next time, let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.
0: Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen, and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management, and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more.
3: We see the news that teen vaping's on the rise, but teens see something else. Internet videos that talk up fun flavors and downplay the dangers of nicotine. How can parents talk so kids will listen? Use facts. One, nicotine can rewire teens' brains. Two, it can make kids more anxious. Three, changes to the brain can be permanent. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more.